This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. It's good to stand and worship Him with all joy in our hearts. And we give Him all the praise and all the adoration for He's a very good and a faithful God. To him shall all honor and praise be given forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope you are enjoying uh, the new year. It promises to be a glorious one. And you will not miss out on any of the promises the Lord has made in Jesus' name. Um, just this morning to the earlier afternoon, I will just take a short time. Hopefully we will have more time to pray. And uh, divided the short exhortation to three parts. Um, I call it three stories, three lessons, three prayers. Three stories, three lessons, three prayers. I'll give you the title. That's not the title, but that's just the outline. Amen. Uh, The first story um, I will tell you um, was about two nations. Um, It's been a long time that they've existed and um, they were situated in somewhere in the Middle East. One nation's nickname was Jeshuron. The other one's name was Philistia. And there was a time that these two nations, they were actually fearful of one another. They respect one another a great deal. And more often than not, they don't normally rush into battle against one another. But there was this particular location, and out of this story, please take note, we will draw our three lessons, and then we will pray. So the first story goes on that these two nations were, you know, because they act very carefully towards one another, so they encamped on two different small hills. They call them Tel, uh, in that part of the world. They're not quite a hill, they're not quite a mountain, it's just an elevation, and they tend to build settlements there. So... They encamped on two tails, and in between them was a valley. And so, both of them, they've come there because of the trepidation they have for one another. It was left to who will go first. Because anyone that goes first might make a mistake, and you don't want to actually you know, be on the losing side. To cut the long story short, in the midst of all that, one person on the side of the Philistia nation, not much of a nation, just made up about five cities, um, they were called. And anyway, so one of them came up and challenged the one on the other side. And I said, look, don't let's go through the trouble. All we need to do, get one champion from your side. Who will rise up and fight me? And um, winner takes all. So if I'm able to beat your champion, that means you're all going to serve us and vice versa. Anyway, this man that was making the challenge, he was a huge man. It was said I was about almost nine feet tall. You know, huge man. Uh, it was said that the helmet upon his head of his armor weighed about 56 kg. Um, 56 kg. 56 kg. Don't tell me your weight, but maybe about that. And I'm sure even Pastor Robert will struggle to even carry her, you know. But, yeah? You will now, yeah. Hallelujah. Because of fasting, that's why. And so, but that was what that man was wearing on his head. So he was a huge man, you know, very intimidating. Then on the other side of Jeshuron, there was this young boy that came up and I said, no, I'm going to take on this guy. 
And so to cut the long story short, you probably have an idea. First Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 to 58, this young boy took a sling, struck, you know, flung a, a stone out of it, struck this giant, the giant fell down, and the giant died. Now, other part of the story, when the giant died, the young boy, whose name was David, took the sword of the giant, cut off his head. That's the way they do it in those days, okay? So live with it. And so... You know, so cut off the head of the guy, and immediately they chased the people of Philistia, whose nickname was Philistines. And so they chased them quite to some distance, took all their possessions, and left them, and they went. Story number one. Story number two. Down in South Africa, there were two groups of people who were fighting against one another. One were a majority, the other one were a minority. And the minority, actually, because they had more power and everything, they subdued the, minor, the majority for a long time. Then they also came to a stalemate, just like the two nations before came to a stalemate. And who was going to bail the cat? Nobody had the confidence. Now, the minority could not sustain the oppression, as it were, of the majority. So in the midst of all that, they have jailed a lot of the people of the majority. Out of them came another man. And that man rose up among them and insisted that no matter what, we're still going to get something out of this. So, beating all odds, with very few nations of the world backing him up, he struck a deal with this major minority who were the ones that were powerful, and he was peacefully able to wrest the power away from their hand and put it onto the majority, which is the normal norms, which is the norm, rather, in democracies, okay? And that man was... Mandela, story number two. Story number three, similarities between them. This one also happened in Eastern Africa. There were two major groups of creatures that were very dominant in that area. One was called the king of the jungle. And they don't move alone, they move in prize. And the one was actually, another one was called, even though the king of the jungle was very ferocious, is called an apex predator. Wherever he enters into, he decimates, he can kill anyone, and they don't move alone. Then there was another group whom God originally called the owner of the earth. But in the midst of all that, the lions, they do actually have victory over these people from time to time. But in between them are the animals that they all fight for. So, one day, the one of this tribe, the human beings, they decided to say, look, these lions are threatening us too much. We can't even kill the means to eat. So they devised the means. And this one, I didn't read. I actually saw. I actually saw this one. And please, I wish and I hope I can convey the story to you. It blew my mind when I saw it. And so there's usually this time of migration of the cattle and all the other you know, animals that they normally kill. And so immediately that season starts, the lions, they contest very heavily for these animals. And so you saw this herd of cattle going, and I saw about three of these men that were also trying to catch the cattle, but they decided not to run after the cattle. They did something. What they did is that they were allowed the lions to kill the cattle, and they would take the cattle, the kill from the lion. And I sat down properly, I said, I will see how you will do that. And so it was. Thank you. You are sitting as I sat. And so it was that there were three men. One was called Umburu, who happened to be the lead of the team. Did anybody watch that? All right. So, and the other one were two other young men. And so the lion has killed 
these big cattle, big, not the kind of fatty ones that we eat around here. I'm talking of proper, lean, strong meat. And so, about six of the lions, they were feeding on it. And these other guys, they were following the trail of the lion. Eventually, they got to where the lions were feeding, and they hid behind the bush. And I was expecting them to do something dramatic. They got their arrows, they got their bows, no guns, whatever. And I, I, was, I was, wow, I'm going to agree. You know what they did? They came out of hiding, three of them, tall East Africans, lean, square shoulders, and they walked boldly, 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 boldly. Immediately, the lions, the lions ran. Six lions. I could, so I said, what's going to happen? So they ran. And the lions, they just left the meat for them. But the man knew there was a window, as the commentator was saying. So brought out his knife, sliced a huge thigh of the animal, slung it on his shoulders, and went away. Then the lions were just trying to recover. Hold on, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> so the lions came out of hiding to where the remnant was. They look at what was left. They look at the guy that was going. They look at it again. And the camera went off. Wow. Now, what was it that David had? What was this that Mandela had? What was this that Umburu had? To be able to do that boldness. I probably call it something else. And you are quite correct. But I think something that drives boldness is what they had. Confidence. Stroke courage. Confidence. And so we're going to talk about confidence today. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. The New Living Translation for me, please, if you may. The New Living Translation, please. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews 10, 35. So, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Not it brought you. The great rewards in a continual sense it brings you. Lesson number one, know who you are. Know who you are. David knew who he was. And when Goliath was threatening him and telling him, I will cut your head, I will give it to the boss of there. He said, you come unto me in the name of your gods. I come unto you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, whose army you, def- you, you defy. The man knew who he was. Please, brother, please, sister, know who you are. Number one, because you are a human being and it cuts across, you are not ordinary. Circumstances should not rule over you and I. Including disease. And that's why even spirit or no spirit, even spiritual force or no spiritual force, God has allowed it that through the ages, because we are the peak of him, of God's creation, he has placed everything under our, under our control. Because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, it tells us who we are as human beings from tomorrow. In fact, from this moment, nothing will dominate you anymore. Number one, because you are created in the image of God. I remember when I was praying this morning, and it just, I said, Lord, we created your image. We haven't got time to go into that. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And every one of those things mentioned there, we have seen God demonstrate it in a supernatural sense. Be fruitful. We know we are fruitful and we multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. How do we know that the fish of the sea? There was a time that Jesus Christ wanted to pay his tax. He had dominion over the fish of the sea. Told the disciples, he said, go to the mouth of a fish and go and bring a coin. There was another time in Luke chapter 5, dominion over the fish of the sea. Peter struggled on and could not catch any fish. Jesus proved unto them that he had dominion over the fish. He said, cast your net there. If the fish were not there, they would be manufactured immediately. If they were far away, they will emigrate at lightning speed and come there. And you will have them. That is God we serve. And I have only one message for you this afternoon. Once you know who you yourself, believe you me, within this next coming week, our shoulders shall be square. Our head shall be lifted. And nothing shall dominate us anymore in the name of Jesus. And the birds of the air, the quails came. We can go through every one. The Bible has proven unto us. The sea, Jesus walked on the waters. Just to prove unto you, is Lord of all. In Psalm verse 8, he went on to even re-echo that when the psalmist was pondering over the same David that we mentioned. Psalm 8, start from verse 4 for me, please, if you may. Psalm 8, start from verse 4. He said, what is man that you are mindful of him? You are a human created in the image of God. We are not ordinary. And the son of man that you Visit him, verse 5. What does he say? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You all know, theologian says that you have made him a little lower than what? The gods. The word used here is El, which is mean the honor, the, the, the generic name you use for all gods. And so out of that, they took the name El Shaddai, the special god of Israel. They took Elohim. They took, you know, El Conquer, on and on and on and on like that from the same God. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Oh, man, 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 human being sitting down there, you are not ordinary. And I want you to please take that in very well. Verse 5, by 6, let's just take one more and possibly move on to the next one. Verse 6, please, if you may. Psalm 8, verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand, and you have put all things under his feet. Hallelujah. That is generally all human beings. But do you know Christians, though human beings, we have a lot of power, but Christians, we have even higher power still. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, you are a chosen generation. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a royal priesthood. It says, you are a called out people. Special people, he says, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, the apostle reacted. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Please, let confidence rise up in you. Fear no more. Hang your head no more. You are created to triumph and triumph we shall in the name of Jesus. I'm not standing before you telling you empty promises. I'm standing here telling you the word of the living God. You have two options. Believe it or not believe it. But I pray you will believe it this afternoon. And especially if you're a spirit-filled believer, you don't even have supernatural authority. You don't over that special authority, authority. You have supernatural authority as a spirit-filled believer. 
Because in Acts chapter 5, the Bible tells me that the apostles, that people, even other disciples, they hold them in high esteem. Do you want to get to that level? In which the power of God will flow from you. In which God will be glorified in your life. But you need to know who you are. I know who I are. Those guys, they know who they were. They knew that no animal can outwit them. And there are demon forces there. You must make up your mind they will not outwit you. You have to make up your mind. There's something in you, there's something in me that is greater than all the forces of this world. Let that confidence rise. Do not cast it away. Do not lose it. Do not let that confidence drop. Do not let it slip away from your hand. And everything will fight against that confidence. When you wake up in the morning, circumstances around you will tell you you, are, can't, you can't win. Tell yourself you will win. Based on the three things. Number one, I'm a human being created after the image of God. Therefore, circumstances cannot dominate me. But it takes grace for us to believe it. And I pray you have the grace to believe it. And I'm, I'm trying to believe it even more. Because I know nothing should be able to stop it. And because you are a child of God, you are special as well. And if you are spirit-filled, you are even operating at a higher level. Will you deploy that power? Or will you just let this life follow? Number two, lesson that we're going to learn, apart from know yourself, do what you have to do. Do what you have to do. You see, it's one thing to know yourself and set down. It's another thing to know what you have to do with who you are. You know? And, and that, that is actually the difference between success and failure. When it's time for you to get up, get up and go and do it. David, uh, you know, the definition of um, courage or boldness, you know it? It is not absence of fear, you know? What is it? It is going forward in spite of fear. Who does not fear? Who does not have worries? Who, who led this here this morning? Whether the opening him or whatever, they all have trepidations. If they don't, they probably would not have done what they... Who was playing the instrument and just believing, like, I have to get it right? Who led worship? Who, who is holding microphone at us? But I said, I have to get up. I have to. That's what life is about. You just have to. You know, when David was beckoning unto me and uh, I was worshiping, actually I was not avoiding to come. I could have, but I was just watching. They started nudging me. I said, go, 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 go. It was my wife. She was probably thinking that man's going to check it out. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that we all have trepidations. Paul the apostle says somewhere, he said, I come to you with what? Fear and trembling. So be loose. Set yourself loose today. Oh, but I have sweaty palms. Everybody has sweaty palms. I have sweaty feet. Yes, you may. Sweaty brow. Yes. Drench in sweat. <laughs> but what have, what have to be done must be to tell the sinner that they need to come to Jesus and we have to do it. Oh, do we get, of course. Many years back, I sat on a plane traveling back to London where I used to commute, you know, between London and Aberdeen. As I used to joke, you know, many years back, I said I held the record of the farthest commuting pastor in the world. I mean, people travel 30 miles to church. People travel, I mean, I travel nearly 600 miles to church to preach. That's quite some traveling. And I decided to make up my mind. I said, every time I sit with someone, this thing must count. So there was this guy from Far East that I sat with. His ministry, and that was one of the days I didn't sleep. Usually when I get on the plane, I was so tired, um, I just pass out. Some of you have heard this story. I, don't, I mean, don't think air travel is, is enjoyable. There's something about it. Just finish preaching like this, then sit another one hour. So this day I didn't sleep. I sat with this guy. 
I mean, it took me, I, I must have stammered to preach to him. By the time we got to London, the man was open to the, to the gospel. He was rushing. I was chasing after him, you know, in the hallway just to make sure I give him my card and tell him about it. But that came at a great expense. Somebody listen to what we're saying. The truth of the matter, brethren, is that do what you have to do. Amen. Write the application you have to write. You've had so many no's. Still write it. Just write. Just start that business again. Oh, I've tried so many. I've done everything. You don't, you don't know how I'm feeling. I don't. But you don't know how I was feeling too when I was sweaty just to preach the gospel. And so it must be a daily occupation. Please do what you have to do. Hallelujah. Do you know even Jesus Christ going to the cross? He had to go to the cross. Not because he really found it easy. You agree with me? Did you read that in your Bible? In Matthew chapter 26, he got to the garden of Gethsemane. And that garden, you know, we hope is the original one. Supposedly one has visited it. And uh, very ordinary place. Because many of the things they call tourist attraction, they just take money. Anyway, but edit that from this one so that tourist organization. But we saw a place, supposedly garden of Gethsemane anyway. And, you know, it was very moving to just see that here the Lord Jesus Christ was so fearful as it were. Trepidatious, maybe that might be the more honorable word. Was so concerned about what he was going to go through. And he was negotiating with the father. I said, you know what? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But the father said, son, you know that's why you came. Second time he said, father, I, I just can't. You know why he didn't want to? Many things. But I think at the top of that is that brief separation between him and God. When the sin of the world was laid upon him. But the one that you can identify as human being was that this was a decent Jewish guy who had to be stripped naked. This was a guy that was flogged into pulp that could not be recognized. I mean, they beat him so well. As Isaiah said in 53 chapter, he said, nobody can recognize his comeliness. That is, you cannot recognize it. He was beaten. How many of you are passion of Christ? That's a joke. It's a joke compared to what they did to the Lord. And if there's anything that moves me to say, Lord, what a kind God you are. If the Bible tells me in the same Romans chapter 8, verse 23, if, if God did not spare him and let him go through all that, how shall he not with him do what? Freely give you all things. He's proposing his heart that nothing's too hard. Whatever you have to, will you rise up and do it, please? Get on with it. And I will tell you how we can do that when we get to point number Three or maybe jury prayers. Amen? Number one, what did we say? So if you're going to have confidence. Number two. Number three, know when to stop. Because there's a very thin line between folly and bravery. A very thin line. Know when to stop. As I was mentioning unto you, every example I gave you, in the case of David, after escort the head of Goliath, they've chased the Philistine into their own camp. They went back. They didn't say after that now, we finished with the Philistines. Tired we are. Let's get the Amorites. Let's get the Moabites. Okay, if I let people chase them until they enter their bedroom, go away. We're keeping our territory. No one to stop. What about Mandela? He got there as the president. After a while, he left. He knew when to... What about Umburu? After I cut that big chunk of meat and they were roasting, what did they do? Fools rushing where angels. Because if I finish this message without mentioning that aspect, and that depends on your dependence on God. 
That is why even when you are walking in confidence, you are looking over your shoulder. Even when you are moving into new territories, you are calculating very well that you are not expending unnecessary energy that will not bring adequate result. Know when to stop. Jesus Christ, our Lord, knew when to stop. The Bible tells me that I was a time he said, my ministry is over, I'm going. And the disciple said, don't go. He said, it is needful for me that I go. If I do not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. I said, we will probably will not be having the year of the Holy Spirit. Know when to stop. Know when to even probably stop spending on a particular project. Know when to divert your attention from one thing to another. Now, people have asked me that question many times before. There's no doubt in my mind that as you step forward in confidence, even when you are diverting, you are not diverting because you are beaten. You are diverting because you make a decision, an informed decision, and it's time to divert. Somebody listen to what I'm saying. And as you do that, God of Israel will back you up in Jesus' name. Before we begin to pray, I will ask you to please look at any area of your life that you feel a little bit wobbly, any area that you think, you know what, I'm not too sure whether I can, you know, stand to try again. Amen? And in your own heart now, begin to commit such areas to the Lord. Ask him to step in. Ask him to be your help. We have started praying. And the second part of the prayer, I will lead us in a moment. But for this part of praying, please just ask him to help you to stay standing. Not to buckle. Not to give up. The journey is still ahead of you. No fear, but boldness in Christ Jesus. Confidence in him. Bring your prayer to a close. I will also ask, if you want to make your way right with Christ, ask him to come in, step in, and draw you close to himself. Let no guilt rob you of stepping forward. Actually, the Bible says somewhere, the righteous shall be as bold as a lion. When we are walking right with the Lord, it of his own self creates boldness in us. We must always give that room an opportunity for us to represent ourselves unto God that he may fix us, he may sort us out, and he may get us in the place we ought to be. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. I don't know whether you know this song. Well, you probably would not. But I'll sing it a few times and we'll start our prayer from there. Hide me, Jesus, hide me. Hide me, Jesus, hide me. Hide me, Jesus, hide me. Hide me. Jesus, hide me. Hide me.
on your feet with me and we make some declarations and as we do so please be confident you are not living here the same this afternoon I say you are not living here the same in the name of Jesus now, God will fill you with renewed strength and power the kind you have never known before thank you father the first declaration you will make is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He said, God has not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but has given us the spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So we will pray it as a confessional prayer, as we normally do. I say, in the name of Jesus. The scripture says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love of power and of a sound mind. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I declare in the name of Jesus, I do not have the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, the spirit of power, and of a sound mind. Right now, I operate under the spirit of love, the spirit of power, power to dominate situations, power to rise above sin and sickness and all disasters. In the name of Jesus, I have the spirit of a sound mind, mind that does not fear or buckle or get depressed. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Amen. That is that one. The next one, you will declare it and you will pray it. Amen? So you say, in the name of Jesus, I will fly like an eagle and roar like a lion. My father is a lion of the tribe of Judah. And as I wait on him, I shall mount up with wings as eagle. One more time, in the name of Jesus, I shall fly like an eagle and I will roar like a lion my father is the lion of the tribe of Judah and because I'm in him I will soar with wings like eagles in the name of Jesus lift up your voice and thunder declare it the more you declare it the more you will manifest it as you go into the week this week 
you will see the manifest power and the presence of the living God over your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Call upon him, declare that without fear. Yes, I shall fly like an eagle. I shall roar like a lion. And because my father is the lion of the tribe of Judah, is the original lion, the one that chases away everything that is scary. Nothing shall be scary unto me. I receive confidence. In fact, I'm walking in confidence and in boldness and in courage. And nothing whatsoever shall be able to stop me. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Rock of Ages. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Listen carefully to me. One of the things that will help you to stand up and do what you have to do is to believe these three things that many of you do know. But I'll repeat it again. Number one, anything you are doing in life, do it with the conviction that you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to prove and you have nothing to hide. If I have time, I will explain that. But let me just say one word each. Nothing to prove. Don't do anything just to let people know that this is who you are. Do it because you have to do it. It's beneficial and you have to get it sorted. Don't put yourself under unnecessary pressure. That means wherever you are now, you are not wanting to be in another place you want to be because you want to prove to people. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing you're going to have that others have not had. But you want it so that your life will be fulfilled. You are not proving anything to anybody. You are okay the way you are. Tell yourself, I'm okay the way I am. But I will still fulfill my destiny. Don't prove anything. Don't prove anything. Or else you'll be proving to, uh, to Barack Solomon. You'll be proving to Barack Obama. You'll be proving to everybody. you spend your life proving things. Unless you're a mathematician. And many of you are not. How many mathematicians in this room? Proper mathematics. Not engineer. I'm talking proper mathematics. Hallelujah. Some of us I say, man like this, some are hiding their head. May the Lord have mercy. So you will have nothing to prove. Tell yourself, I shall not live my life to prove anything to anybody. Now I want you to say one more time, and hear it yourself, and let it sink in. In the name of Jesus, I shall not live my life to prove anything to anybody. In the name of Jesus. Don't prove anything to your parents. Don't prove anything to your classmates. Where God has called you to stay there. And then you'll be bold to do what God has called you to do. Trying to prove things disempowers you. Trying to prove things robs you of strength. You're okay the way you are. And all the blessings we are talking about, don't prove anything. Genuine, legitimate blessings. Marriage, children, house, car, whatever. Ministry, they are legitimate. Don't use to prove anything. Whatever we do here, we're not proving any point. We're just serving God. If you say build this way, we build it. If you say build it that way, we build it. If you say pull it down, we pull it down. Simply because we're proving nothing to anybody. Number two, do not do anything with the thought that you have something to lose. That is where failure comes in. When you step out, you know, this, this, this is another phrase that I think I came up with. I hope I remember it the way it occurred to me. That the driving force, yes, Behind courage is not a desire for success, but a disdain for failure. Can you get your head around it? 
the driving force beyond, behind having confidence or courage is not just a desire for success, but what? A disdain. You know what disdain for failure means? That you don't care about failure. Failure doesn't bother you. And you, unless one gets to that, all those that succeeded in life, failure never bothered them. I'm preaching to you, whether you receive it or not, it does not bother me. I'm writing this application, I would like to get it. If I don't get it, I write another one. Once I, that's what the devil has lost it. Don't ever do anything, oh, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to lose. Everything that didn't work out is a way teaching you how not to do it. I mentioned to you a thousand and one times here, WD-40. It was the 40th attempt. Those are guys. Those are guys. Any hole that does not have WD-40, they need to come and see me. It's so ubiquitous now. And all the guy did was that when you use oil to inch a door, oil can run. And after a while, it does not remove the rust properly. So, but if you use water to try to oil an inch, it will wash the rust away, but very soon it will rust again. So he was now looking for the right blend between oil and, and you try it. You mix oil and water. He did it. That he did it only 40 times, he will bless him. Everything. Don't have any to lose. Hallelujah. Number three, don't have any to hide. When you are going through life, do it not because it's must be covered. Wherever you are, this is where I am, you know. And I've told people, if your story is not good enough, by their own reckoning, let them laugh at you. Every just mate at you is a, it's another block for your elevation quickly. And I'm not asking you to just put yourself up, but live your life openly. This is my situation. I'm not hiding it. This is it. This is it. This is where I am. If, you have a, if I have a name in your body, don't try and cover it big or whatever. If finances are not doing well, I'm not saying you should broadcast it, but if, if it gets open to me, it gets open to that, that's where I am. But God help you to now make that a mocking point for me. You are promoting me. Because God's cause is corner. So, if you take those three things, you will move forward. You will now pray. Hallelujah. You will pray a prayer of freedom. Are you ready? And as we declare that together, we shall walk in freedom. In the name of Jesus, I am free from every encumberment and chain that men may want to put around me. I will live my life without having the fear of anything to prove, anything to lose, or anything to hide. In Christ Jesus, I am free. He's the one that is molding me. He's making me. He's turning my life around. And I walk in freedom in him. Turn that to your prayer right now. As many of us, please pray it from the bottom of your heart. And from today, you will find yourself rising up to do things. You will find yourself just doing it. Just doing it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. No more, no more fear. I'm not worried. I, who I am in Christ is working on me. If you think that you want to mock me, go ahead. But no more fear. I'm not going to fear what you think. I'm not going to fear what you say. I know he is working and I'm not proving anything. Today I receive my freedom. Today is my independence day from the opinions of men. Today is my independence day from seeking the approval of men. I hope somebody is praying that from the bottom of your heart because out of that, the Lord is going to send his blessing upon us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bring your prayer to a close. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let your amen be loud and clear.
Finally, prayer number three. There are three main prayers. All the other ones are the sub-prayers, as it were. And I first read that out to you because I believe they were important the way I believe the Lord gave them to me. Because of who I am in Christ, I am wiser than my opponents. I shall outperform my instructors. I am equipped through Christ to succeed in any good thing I lay my hands on to do. Did you get that one? Because of who I am in Christ, I'll read it again, then we'll read it together. I am wiser than my opponents. I shall outperform even my instructors. I am equipped through Christ to succeed in any good thing I lay my hands on to do. And those who are excerpts from Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 and Psalm 119 verse 99. So together you say, in the name of Jesus, because of where I am in Christ, I am wiser than my opponents. I shall outperform my instructors. I am equipped through Christ to succeed in any good thing I lay my hands on to do. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray. Because of who I am in Christ, I'm a child of God. I am wiser than my opponents. Wherever they are coming from, I will perform even my instructors. I'm equipped through Christ to succeed in any good thing I lay my hands on to do. And Christ Jesus shall be glorified in my life. Thank you, my Father and my God. Pray that for a few more seconds and then I just close in prayer. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Receive lifting for your souls right now. Every weight that you had when you are coming in here, be free from such weights right now. This is the year of your visitation. This is the year of God doing mighty things in and through us. Preaching the gospel, walking in confidence. No more fear, no more fear, no more worries. But we are confident in the Lord. Thank you, rock of our salvation. Bring your prayer to a close. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Father, look at your people. And open the heavens upon us today. We have shared the weight of fear and timidity. The weight of lack of confidence we have dropped here today. And we have taken on, Lord, the garb, the cloak, the cover of boldness, of courage, of confidence. And by the spirit of the living God, we all march forth corporately and individually into the glorious future you have set for us in the name of the Lord Jesus. You that guy that you are in that new job and you have been worried whether you will hold on to it, the Lord asked me to tell you the new confidence that you need has been given to you today. And I feel of you here that in your heart you are afraid that you will not be retained and that the circumstance are stabbed against you. The odds are stacked against you. The last me to tell you, he's got a wonderful plan for you. And as you walk into that place, every negotiation you will do, you will do it from a position of courage and confidence in the name of Jesus. There are some of you that you have been shortchanged in your employment. Over time, you have been underpaid. In the next two weeks, you will go back. God will open the door for you. 
and you will renegotiate with uncommon confidence. And they will have no other option but to consent and accede unto your request in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you. Because the confidence that we have is in you. Not just in us. Even our own being is because we are created in your image. Even the fact that we are Christians is because you live inside us as it were. Even that we are spirit filled is because the Holy Spirit has come to take residence in us. And so Father today, that confidence we have in you shall never be lost or thrown away in the name of the Lord Jesus. And finally, I decree and I declare over you, rise up and shine. You say, rise up and shine. Where you have failed before, you will never fail there again. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus. From now on, no more fear. You will walk in boldness and spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. I can see someone here being celebrated. What I mean? What, what, what I mean is that there's a crowd that stood up and they were clapping for you. As many as you believe the Lord is speaking unto you, receive you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's like a standing ovation. I don't know exactly what, I don't know what it is, whether, whatever it is, receive the word of the Lord for your life in the name of Jesus. No more shame. The church is marching on and the gates of hell shall not and cannot and will not prevail. Father, we thank you. Every form of retrogression, every form of backward movement, they cease right now. And we shall all march forward in the name of the Lord. What can we supposed to say? Thank you, Father. You have been good unto us. Take the honor, take the glory. Jesus, most wonderful name we have prayed. Somebody shout hallelujah. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.